Welcome to Awaken to Grace. I'm Chad Roberts, and today I'm so glad to share this message with you, this special Christmas message out of Isaiah 53. What remarkable scripture this is. It says, Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him, to put him to grief. Today we're going to talk about the physical suffering of Christ when it was the will of the Lord to crush him, and then the grief, the emotional suffering of Christ. And you know he did it for our sins. He who knew no sin became sin, that we might become the righteousness of God. Today I'm talking about hope in this series called The Thrill of Hope. And as we're going to see in this passage of Isaiah 53, it is Christ that gives eternal hope. I'm so glad you're listening today to this special edition of Awakened to Grace. Isaiah chapter 53, verse 10 today. We are concluding a short series called The Thrill of Hope. Last Sunday, I was in Isaiah 59, and we talked about how most people pursue horizontal hope. In other words, they run to relationship after relationship. They pursue education or they pursue that job opportunity. They pursue that relocation that they are just convinced will hit reset in their life and give them a brand new start. We talked about how in our humanity, God has hardwired each of us for hope. St. Augustine said it so well. Every one of us has a God-sized void in our lives. And he said it so well. He said, our hearts are restless until they rest in God. We are all hardwired. We are all designed for hope. But the problem with us in our humanity is that we seek hope everywhere except and outside of God. And last Sunday, we called that horizontal hope. We talked about the only place that true hope is found, the only place it is experienced, the only place you really find the thrill of hope is in vertical hope with God. We continued our thoughts last night by talking about peace What did the angels proclaim in Luke 2.14? Glory to God, peace on earth with those whom God is pleased. Who is it with those whom God is pleased? It's those who live to the glory of God. And what does living to the glory of God do? Well, again, like horizontal hope, we often focus only on horizontal relationships. And so when there's not peace in our lives and when there's conflict in our families and there's conflict in our marriage and there's conflict with those that we love, we don't know what to do about it. This year, I've just this year alone, I have done over 240 counseling sessions. 
And I will tell you, the lion's share of all of those counseling sessions involve conflict in some way. Either people are not at peace with one another or people are not at peace within themselves. And just like horizontal hope will not do, you will only find true hope in vertical hope. So it is with peace. If you want to have peace with others in your life, you first have to have peace within. And if you're ever going to have peace within, there isn't but one place that it comes. That's peace above. When you are right with God, everything else gets right from there. But it starts upward. And that upward peace with God creates an inward peace with God. And that results, the outcome is outward peace with others. Now that leads us to today. Today I want to talk about eternal hope. When you have vertical hope and you have inward peace, let me tell you what the result's going to be, an eternal hope. Now, I'm going to try not to be long this morning. How many of you think I can do that? I hear skepticism. (laughs) Well, let's get to it. Isaiah chapter 53, verse number 10. Note what it says with me. It was the will of the Lord to crush him. That ought to stop every one of us in our tracks this morning. It was the will of the Lord to crush him. I want you to understand this about the gospel of Jesus Christ. God never one time wrung his hands. God never one time thought, what am I going to do? God never bit his nails. God never became anxious or nervous over sin. The cross of Jesus was never the plan B of God. God has never had a plan B. God has never needed a plan B. The cross was always God's plan A. For Christ was slain before the foundations of the world were ever laid, the scriptures say. It was always in the heart of God that Christ would be the lamb that was slain. And thus the scriptures tell us it was the pleasure of God. It was the will of God. It pleased him to crush Jesus Christ. The old Puritans used to say, what's amazing about a flower is that if you crush it, it releases its fragrance. Christ was crushed upon the cross. I want you to note two things as we look at the suffering of Jesus for a moment because you'll never understand the gospel if you don't understand his birth, why he came. Jesus came to die. You'll never understand the gospel if you don't understand his life. Why did he he take on a robe of flesh and take on the likeness of men? Why did he not count equality with God a thing to be grasped or held on to, Philippians 2? That he would be obedient even to the point of death, Philippians 2.8. The death of the cross. 
The gospel is the birth of Christ. It is the life of Christ. It is the death of Christ. Oh, but it doesn't stop there, does it? It's the resurrection of Jesus. And this verse, verse 10 alone, shows all of that. Number one, I want you to note this. It was the will of the Lord to crush him. That's the physical sufferings of Jesus. And I want you to understand, his suffering did not begin on the road to Calvary. It began the moment he entered this world. He grew up in suffering. And it says it was the will of the Lord to crush him. To put him at grief when his soul became the offering for guilt. What does that mean? The crushing speaks of his physical agony, but the grief speaks of the emotional agony that he went through. Verses 3, 4, and 5 of the same chapter. What a chapter 53 is for us. Verse 3 teaches that he was a man of sorrow, that he was despised and rejected among men. He was a man of sorrow. He carried our grief. He bore our iniquities. Verse number 5, he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastisement that brought us peace was upon him. And by his stripes, by his wounds, we are healed. That's the gospel, my friends. And why did Jesus do it? He did it that he might redeem us out of our sins. He did it that he might redeem us out of our selfishness. He did it that he might redeem us from this lost state that you and I are in. Christ did it to the glory of God. Now, look what he says next. He shall see his offspring. What is Isaiah predicting here? Isaiah is predicting what would become the worldwide family of God. From generation to generation to generation to generation. And as a matter of fact, the Bible says in Ephesians 4 that, it, that the kingdom of God is from generation to generation and has no end. That he would see his offspring. That one day Christ would have a kingdom. That one day Christ would be the first fruits. And that we would be the kingdom of God. Do you know what the implications of this verse is? If you will, go with me very quickly. John 3.16. Danny had no idea I was going to share John 3.16 today. He had no idea. John 3.16. Many of you know it. For God so loved the world that he what? Gave. God so loved the world that Isaiah 53.10 would come alive to us. He so loved the world that it was the pleasure of God. It was the will of God to crush his son, Jesus, for my sin and yours. He so loved the world that he would crush his son. Do any of us as parents love anyone to that degree? The answer is no. It is a love you and I cannot understand. It is a love that you and I cannot comprehend in our humanness. It is a, in our humanity. It is a love that you and I cannot 
It is agape love. That he would give his only begotten son, that whosoever, who is the whosoever? It's us who would believe that whosoever believes on him might not perish, but have everlasting life. Now go quickly to Romans chapter 8, verse 32. Romans 8, verse 32. Now watch the logic of Scripture. You can go, matter of fact, let, let's just thread the Let's just thread the scriptures together for a moment. You can go all the way back to Genesis chapter 6. And God was grieved in his heart toward humanity. Right before the flood. God was so grieved in his heart. But what's it say? But Noah found grace in the eyes of God. Noah found favor in the eyes of God. Why? Because the cross was never plan B. The cross was always God's plan A. Always. And going all the way back to the fall, going all the way back to Genesis chapter 6, going all the way to Isaiah 53, the cross has always been in view. The cross has always been the pleasure of God. The cross has always been the will of God. Always. Why? Because he so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. How much does he love you today? How much does he care for those who have put their trust in him? And we are now his offspring. He shall see his offspring. What is the promise to us? Romans 8, 32. What does it say? That if God did not spare his son, how much with him will he give us everything that pertains to life? You will not lack anything. God will give you all the mental health you need. God will give you all the emotional health you need. God will give you all the physical health you need. God will give you all the spiritual health you need. God will supply everything that you need. Why? Because God so loved the world. Think of the redemptive logic that if he would not spare his only son, is God going to abandon you now? Now, come on. Say amen if you're with me right now. I'm talking about redemptive logic. If God did not spare his only son, this is why angels look in awe of our salvation, 1 Peter 1. Why are they in awe of our salvation? Because what would cause God to crush his son for sinners? Continue on in the verse with me. It was the will of the Lord to crush him, to put him at grief when his soul made offering for guilt. In other words, when his life became the ransom, when he laid down his life for sins, for your sins, for my sins. That he shall see his offspring. That God is building a kingdom. That God has a family that's worldwide from generation to generation. And what is God's care for us? Romans 8.32. That if God so gave his son, John 3.16, with him, he'll give us everything else that pertains that we need. And then look what it says. And he shall prolong his days. Now say amen if you're with me right now. I don't want you to miss this. This is Isaiah 
This is Isaiah predicting the resurrection of Jesus. How old was Jesus when he died? 33. See, to the Hebrews, long life meant the blessings of God. But yet, how old was Jesus when he was crucified? 33. Is that a long life? No. So why would Isaiah say, say, and he shall prolong his life? It's because what did Jesus say? Tear this temple down, and in three days, I will raise it up. Three days later, death was conquered. Three days later, death was destroyed. Amen? Christ rose from the grave. Friends, this is the gospel. This is the good news of humanity. And what are the implications? That now you and I who need rescuing, you and I who cannot go through this life without the help of Christ, you know what the implications are? Hebrews chapter 7 verse 25. You know what it says that Christ is right now doing? Why am I calling today an eternal hope? Because Christ has an eternal resurrection. Christ has an eternal redemption. That means that you and I have an eternal hope through Jesus. And Hebrews 7.25 says that he ever lives. And what is Christ doing right now today? He ever lives to make intercession for us. Amen. Amen. What a gospel. What a savior. What does Isaiah mean when he says he shall prolong his days? It's indicating the resurrection. That there'll never, ever be an end to the reign of Jesus Christ. And now my favorite part of the text. Amen. (laughs) My favorite part. And his will shall prosper in his hands. What's he saying? You know... Not all brothers and sisters in the body of Christ agree of the doctrine of the teaching of the millennial kingdom. The 1,000 year reign of Christ on this earth once the seven year tribulation is concluded. Once the battle of Armageddon has concluded. Once Satan is bound has been concluded. Not all believers agree with that. But I believe deeply in a millennial kingdom. The reason why I believe deeply in it is because there are some 1,800 scriptures in the Bible that point to the future kingdom. I believe it's part of what it means when it teaches, as we taught a few weeks ago, that we've been given a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Now, I want you to follow me for a moment on this. What does the prophet Isaiah mean? He shall see his offspring. That's the global family of God. He shall prolong his days. That's the resurrection of Jesus. But what does it mean that God's will is going to prosper in the hands of Jesus? Friends, I believe that points to the kingdom of God. Do you remember what Satan tried to do in Matthew chapter 4 in the wilderness? He tried to get Jesus to accept the 
worldly kingdoms of this fallen age. The worldly kingdoms. And do you remember what Jesus did? He rejected all of that. What Satan tried to do is he tried to say, bypass Calvary. Bypass the cross. Bypass the suffering that you're going to endure. Bypass being forsaken by God the Father. Bypass all of that. And here are all the kingdoms of the world. And I'll give them to you. But Jesus said no. And do you know why he turned down every kingdom of this world? 1 Corinthians 15, 24, that at the end, when death has been destroyed, when Christ has accomplished all that Christ is to accomplish, that at the end, what does he say? 1 Corinthians 15, 24, he will deliver up to the Father the kingdom. Revelation 11, verse 15, the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdom of our God. This is why Jesus, now follow me here, even though he knew it was the will of the Father to crush him, this is why in the Garden of Gethsemane, he could pray, not my will, but yours be done. Do you know why he could pray that prayer? It's because Jesus is trustworthy. Jesus could be entrusted to do the will of the Father. Jesus said, I don't come to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Do you know what I want to ask you this Christmas? Are you trustworthy with the will of God? Is your life so centered upon you that your world revolves around you? Or is your life so centered upon Jesus That you can say, not my will, but yours be done. Even when difficult things come into our life. Even when we experience loss. Even when we go through sorrows. Are you able to say, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth in me just as it is done in heaven. You know who the people are who can do that? It's the people who just like Jesus, who's the model? Who's our example? Philippians 2.5, let this mind be in you. Let this thinking be in you. That was also in Christ. That is yours in Christ. If Christ is our model, if he is our example, you know what that tells me? I can live for the kingdom of God. I can reject the kingdoms of this world. And I can pray, not my will, but yours be done. I want to be trustworthy with the will of God the way Jesus was. And let me tell you, (laughs) read Revelation 4, Revelation 5, Revelation 6, Revelation 7. 8, 9, 10, 11. Read it all. Let me tell you why the kingdom of God is so big. Because one day the church, the blood-bought church, we are going to rule and we are going to reign with Christ as kings and as priests. 
Friends, we've been given a kingdom. We've been given a kingdom. We've been given a kingdom. Why? Because Christ came to this earth. He lived a completely sinless life. Chad, how do you know he lived a sinless life? Because Joseph wasn't his father. He didn't have sinful blood within him. His blood was pure, spotless. It was born of the Holy Spirit. And he lived a completely sinless life. Why? So he could take those of us who are completely sinful and he might redeem us. He did die. And he did rise again. And now he lives forevermore. And he prays for you. He intercedes for you. He's rooting for you. He's doing more than that. He's rescuing you. Friends, that's the gospel. And now this kingdom, this will of God is going to prosper in the hands of Jesus. And it's a kingdom that you and I are part of. So I don't want to fumble with this. I don't want God to bring something into my life and I grow bitter. I don't want to despise what God has for me. I don't want to get bitter or angry or disillusioned or disappointed. No, you know what I want to do? I want to be trusted with God's will the way Jesus was. Because I've got something I'm looking forward to. Not next year. Not next decade. I'm looking forward to the kingdom of God. And what am I going to do until it arrives? I'm going to say, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in just as one day it will be in me in heaven. Amen. Let's bow our heads today. Are you trustworthy? Can you handle the difficulties of life if you're in the will of God? Can you handle adversity? Can you handle the testings of the Lord? And say, not my will, but yours be done. I'm not saying you accept sin. I'm not saying you accept things that we ought not to accept. I'm talking about when God walks you through the refiner's fire. That's what you two are accepting. Can you accept those things? And say, no, I'm going to live for the kingdom. I'm not going to live for myself. Jesus is the center, not myself. Friends, there's an eternal work that Christ has done. Are you in that work? Or are you outside of it? Do you find your joy and your peace in that eternal work of Jesus? Or do you find your joy and peace in the happenings of this life, of this world? That is so temporary. This Christmas, set your hope on things that are eternal. Do as Christ did. Look beyond this life 
look to eternity. Today, if you're not right with the Lord, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, the gospel invites you to get right. I want you to pray with me right now, right there in your seat, right where you are. Pray with me right now in your heart. Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner and I need a savior. Save me this Christmas morning and save me for eternity. I make you my Lord and I live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Today, if you need your priorities reshifted, make Jesus the center of your life. Go into this new year with Christ as the center.